welcome to Reading Between the Reels. I'm Craig Dickinson. And I'm Matt Leader. Today on the show, we are taking a look at an individual episode of The Mandalorian from Disney+, Plus, which is Season 1, Chapter 8, Redemption. So, Craig, what are your overall thoughts on this particular episode? Well, I have to say that I really do like this episode. I'm, this is, we each got to pick an episode, and uh, this was your pick, and I was very glad to rewatch it. Uh, my biggest takeaway from this is that we, this is kind of the episode we finally get to know, we get to know a lot about Din Djarin. We get the name, mm-hmm. we get to see his face, and we get that full flashback of his parents' death and kind of his adoption by Death Watch. And so, you know, it's a, it's a huge episode. We haven't really gotten into it a lot more since this episode, but it definitely promises a lot moving forward for the show. What about you? Yeah, um, you know, I, I would agree. I, I think that it's a pretty fitting end to season one. I also think that, like you said, it leaves the door open to a lot to explore. One of the things I enjoyed the most were the two uh, speeder bike troopers at the beginning. Um, you have, of course, the horrible like punching of of Baby Yoda, right? And I remember first time we watched this, my wife was freaking out. She's like, don't you do that to, to baby Yoda. Um, and so, I mean, you got that kind of evil, sinister uh, piece right there. But then just the comedy between the two troopers um, where you've got, you know, the left and the right and the left one keeps asking questions and he keeps, you know, kind of pestering the other trooper and you see the boredom. And they take out their little, you know, little mini blasters and they're like trying to shoot a rock, I think it is. And they're missing. And then the other one tries it and he misses too. So it's like, you know, it, it's one of those uh, jokes for Star Wars, like the stormtroopers can't hit anything. But, uh, you know, back from the original, you know, no one has as precise aim as, as Imperial stormtroopers. So I really enjoy that. And I think... That right there is is part of what I love about Mandalorian is that it it adds a little bit of of character, a little bit of world building to Star Wars that we don't always get when we are slavishly attached to like the Skywalker family tree. Uh, you, you don't have that kind of levity, um, and, and I, you know, I think that kind of humor might be out of place in one of the, you know, in one of the, the nine Skywalker movies. Right. But this is kind of the perfect opportunity. Uh, this was directed by uh, Taika Watiti, who is, has a great, uh, fantastic sense of humor in his films. So that definitely shines is probably my favorite moment from this episode. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree because a lot of the stuff that I pulled out for my favorite cinematic moments were actually from that sequence. And I remember thinking first time I watched it, how brave it was to kind of linger with these guys. They spend a significant amount of time on your season finale where there's, you know, it's kind of left on a cliffhanger in the previous episode about what happened with Quill and, uh, and also with, you know, Moff Gideon showing up and then we're going to like hang out in the desert with a couple of scout troopers and spend some time kind of getting to know these guys. Uh, but it, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, this is pre Ted Lasso, 
But looking back now, it would both both you and I are big Ted Lasso fans. Ted Lasso's punching a baby Yoda. That's that's just not cool. Uh, but it is it's hilarious. Uh, at the same time, and of course the the scene where they're they're trying to hit that piece of junk or rock or whatever it is is actually one of my favorite uh, pieces of cinematography. Uh, the way that it is is framed is you know you have whatever they're shooting the target is in the foreground and they're kind of off to the off to the right hand side shooting at it and uh, i think it's it's amazingly that they composed it that way so that whatever they're shooting at is so close to us it kind of amplifies like how bad of shots these guys are and just I'll let, i mean that's just a running gag you know on the internet and has been forever how bad a, you know shot stormtroopers are so, so to just play that up and then shake the gun and <laughs> that kind of squishy sound as they're doing it. Uh, it's got like a, else. it sounds like a rattle, like a spray <laughs> yeah. can. Rattle. Yeah. It's kind of that, <laughs> kind of that deal. They also have a great thing where, you know, Taika Waititi's character, IG 11 shows up and you have this really awesome kind of rule of thirds where this also kind of a triangle where they're looking at him uh, as he coming, comes down the middle and then executes these guys. And so it's kind of like, you know, don't mess with baby Yoda. Like this is what happens when you do. So they get their, they get their mm-hmm. comeuppance. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, IG 11 is fantastic in this episode too. And you kind of, you understand why, um, Mando doesn't like droids with his flashback. Um, you understand why he is so devoted to the Mandalorians or at least that sect of the Mandalorians. Um, but then you kind of have that, that touching moment where, you know, IG 11, he shows, what I would say is a little bit of humanity. You see some of the droids in Star Wars show some humanity where he cares for, for Mando and um, brings him back right right at the end um, when we kind of feel like Mando might be going away because I can't remember if we knew there was going to be a season two at that point. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, but it does. there is definitely... And even if there was, you know, we don't know for sure what's going to happen with him. That we we don't know for sure that Dinjarin's going to make it through the episode. And mm-hmm. you know, there is a level of gravitas in this episode that you know he's. We finally get to see his helmet taken off. It's like we know he was never going to do that, and so that's almost a goodbye too, in in some ways. Oh yeah. So, yeah, a lot of lot of weight to this episode. Uh, balanced nicely with the levity from from IG Eleven, who makes makes jokes too, but you know, the, he makes the joke about your processor being damaged and he's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to lighten the moment or whatever he says. That's uh, pretty great. Did you have any other uh, moments of cinematography that you wanted to, to point out? Yeah. The, the biggest one that stood out to me uh, and a lot of the, a lot of the episode uh, felt paced pretty well. You know, I, I thought the editing uh, worked uh, fairly well. Like, it did linger a little bit, but it lingered in that comedic sense, which I, I liked. Um, the one shot that grabbed me was when the flame trooper comes in and he like he busts down the door or something like that. He comes in and you see a shot that's set behind Grogu's head. And I want to say like he is slightly out of focus mm-hmm. and you see the flame trooper in the background and as he ignites the flamethrower, it, it flashes out towards Grogu, towards us. And of course, we know Grogu is going to use the four. You know, it's a, yeah, it's 
we know that's going to, we can read that into the scene, right? Uh, but you also see the wonder and amazement in the other characters' faces when Grogu does that because they haven't seen it before. And that's just, it, that was a really cool shot of kind of putting us in Grogu's perspective, but it's also like a really heroic moment for Grogu as well. Yeah, I'm glad you pulled that out. That 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 is a great moment. We kind of know what's going to happen, but it's still, we want the payoff, you know, and then we get it. Uh, speaking of payoff, I mentioned earlier, this was the kind of the, we've been teased uh, the backstory for Din Djarin most of this season. And then we can we get the extended uh, backstory, finally get the whole story. And this time what I was struck by was how much it's in slow motion and the shaky cam. And it's very different than most of the rest of the episode. And, you know, they take the time to do this whole sequence, you know, they're like they're in imminent danger. And all of a sudden you've got, you know, here's what's going on in Din's head thinking about, you know, I was his start to becoming a Mandalorian. Uh, and that, that's, again, that's, that's brave. I think just to kind of take those moments, you know what, we're going to pause the near death experience and give some exposition here. Mm-hmm. And I also think that that flashback scene is a bit heavier uh, than, and, and what I mean specifically by that is the, we see a, a lot of super battle droids and they're quite intimidating. They're quite scary in that flashback, which is a little different than the super battle droids that we see in live action movies in like attack of the clones. I think we might see some of them. And, and then, of course, in Rise of Skywalker, not Rise of Skywalker, uh, Re- Return of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith, yeah. Revenge of the Sith, yes. Yeah. Um, where the battle droids are kind of a, a farce. They're kind of a joke. Absolutely. In, in a lot of the live action film. And I, and I enjoy the fact that uh, these are portrayed as scary things because they would be if, if you were actually there. So I enjoyed that part of the flashback as well. Yeah, I like that you pointed that out because now that I'm thinking about it, the last time we had seen them live action, you know, R2-D2 takes out a couple. They're just stupid, right? He lights them on fire and then Obi-Wan Kenobi going up. Squirts, oil, squirts yeah. oil on them and then it's just like... <laughs> yeah, that's it. And then Obi-Wan Kenobi like kills two of them or destroys two of them with like a flick of his wrist going up the steps to fight Dooku. So it's like they're not remotely yeah. a threat. And now we've kind of right. reestablished that. And you know, obviously from the perspective of a child, it would be terrifying. Yes. What about uh, what about sound? Was there anything that that stood out to you? Because for me, I hear that speeder bike whine, and that takes me back to eight years old immediately. I love that sound so much, and you get some real dynamic mm-hmm. shots of that, and so you get that Doppler effect as well as the begin with the beginning with both. Well, and then once IG Eleven takes the after he takes care of business with the scout troopers, he's driving it too. So that's just one of my favorite Star Wars sounds. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, what, what stood out to me was that there were moments that didn't feel as Star Warsy as far as soundtrack is concerned. A lot of Star Wars has a very symphonic score and not that this doesn't have it like the, the, the twang of the opening of the Mandalorian, I would still say, you know, it's different, but it's not like far off, but there were a couple moments where it felt the, the instruments, um, whatever they were using, it, it didn't sound quite as classic Star Wars, if that's what you want to say. And, you know, I, I didn't mind it. Uh, you know, I, I would rather have them do something different than keep doing the same thing over and over again. So 
um, that, that just stood out to me as, okay, they're kind of stretching their legs a little bit to see what other spaces they can explore with the soundtrack. Yeah, I noticed that too. And so would it be fair to say, first off, are you're a fan of, of Lubin Gorenson's score for Mandalorian? Overall, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. me too. And, it's and, not my favorite, but I, I think it is good. Yeah, I, I remember just kind of flashing back to the first episode of, of The Mandalorian and when he's writing the blurgs, he and Quill are writing the blurgs, that I heard something that sounded very reminiscent of, of the Rocky theme. And I was like, wow, that sounds like Rocky. And then later about going back through and like, oh yeah, Ludwig Gornson did Creed and used those themes. So that, that makes total sense uh, for, the, for using that now in, in The Mandalorian. Uh, I did notice a couple of things too. Like you mentioned, that's kind of the non-traditional symphonic uh, music is, you know, when the, again, back to that, uh, the flashback sequence, there's some very like prominent electrical guitar uh, as you know, the man, as the death watch guy hands, you know, he's put his hand out to, to offer help. And then uh, I think my favorite thing though, is where they kind of have, when, when, when Din Djarin grabs the e-web, he kind of sees it and they have like that little whistle kind of stinger, which is very reminiscent of like the man with no name, like the, the Clint Eastwood spaghetti Western stuff, uh, little, little snippets of his theme. So that's kind of fun. You're like, Oh, something cool is going to happen. So I always like hearing those little stingers. How do you feel about the acting? Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's well acted. I don't think that anybody uh, stands out. I think probably the weakest just because of lack of experience is uh, Gina Carano, but I think she's fine. Gina Carano is, is, is fine. And I really like her character a lot. She's very much a, you know, shoot first, ask questions. Maybe uh, I love Carl Weathers always have speaking of Rocky. Right. So you have that connection as well. He's super charismatic. And it's interesting to see that he's kind of taken this turn from basically a villain the first time we meet him, you know, that he's now Din trusts him too. And like we can root for this guy. Uh, yeah. And, but uh, probably the standout is Giancarlo Esposito as Moff Gideon. He's just so evil and just chewing scenery left and right. Uh, what about you? What do you think? It's uh, really interesting because uh, I'll say first that. I think uh, Gina Carano is is fine. Uh, I don't I don't think it's particularly inspired, um, but I think she's holding her own. Um, I, I really enjoy Carl Weathers, and I enjoy him more as the second season uh, progresses of Man- Mandalorian. You know, it, and no particular reason, but the more time we spend with him, the more I I, I enjoy him. Um, Emily Swallow as the armor just has a great scene. Yes. There, there's not <laughs> there's not a lot like i don't want to say there's not a lot of acting but it's like a very very cool uh, little fight scene there um yeah i really like the cadence, the cadence she uses when she's she's talking because that's not her yeah she's kind of effect, doing an, an affected voice but you were saying about oh uh, sure like yeah. uh ig11 is fantastic I, I already kind of mentioned that i, yeah. I love him um and just the voiceover is fun I was not the biggest fan of Giancarlo Esposito as Moff Gideon. I felt it was kind of overacted and performed like, like he was um, (laughs) like he was reading the lines and they're just, the lines are are rough in, in my ears, they're rough sound. Like it's overwritten some, something (laughs) like he's, he he looks smug, which sure. 
but yeah. it's like it, it it just does not come off as authentic as i don't know it, it just doesn't quite work for me um, i i hear you. you know he is he's a little bit he's monologuing a little bit like a bond villain yeah yeah i wrote down some of his stuff there's one he says your astute panic suggests you understand your situation yeah <laughs> yeah he's highly educated and yeah but pushing the boundaries a little bit there sure yeah and it it just it, it doesn't it doesn't work for me where he doesn't disappear into that role of the grand moff and i think part of it is that a lot of the acting is on um um, the more static side for a mm-hmm. lot of the characters in this show. Sure. And and so like you've got uh, the armor, obviously you've got Mando. I think um, uh, Carl Weathers is, is a little bit more not cheesy, right? But he's, he's more dramatic than sure. the others, but uh, Gina Carano's acting is also more static. And then you have uh grand Moff and he's, kind of hamming it up a little bit and it and to me that kind of took me out of the film a little bit or not film but the tv show a little bit where it just it, it kind of waves a little bit right where it's a little overacted but so much of the other is kind of even the humor at the beginning is kind of more of a a static deadpan humor and then and then you get those lines that it, it just doesn't uh it doesn't work for me i will also um quickly throw in that i love pedro pascal i was a fan of him a big fan of him from uh, game of thrones i think he's a fantastic actor and there is an hbo show the last of us that he's starring in which i am extremely looking forward to um i am not the biggest fan of the acting in the mandalorian as a whole and we've talked about this before I think that uh, the fact that Pedro Pascal wears his helmet through 98% of the show uh, does a bit of a disservice to uh, the audience connecting with the Mandalorian in the show. So I threw out, I've been talking for a little bit. Tell me some of your thoughts. Yeah, no, that that's fine. And I think that's one of the the moments in this episode that is why it's such a good episode is when when the helmet comes off. And I remember when, when I watched this the first time, my wife and I were watching it with our kids and, and my wife turned to me and said, is he ever going to take the helmet off? I want to see what he looks like. And I was like, well, I don't know if he's going to. And then he does. Uh, and in the moment where he does, I think is, is really powerful. Uh, and I'm going to read the line. Uh, so IG-11 says, I need to remove your helmet if I'm to save you. And he says, try it and I'll kill you. It's forbidden. No living thing has seen me without my helmet since I swore the creed. And IG-11 replies, I am not a living thing which I think is, is so simple and so brilliant that we can, you know, we've paint, kind of painted ourselves into this corner, but like, here's the loophole. You're right. He's, he's not a living thing. He's not alive. And so it's, it's okay that we do this in this situation here. Mm-hmm. So we get that payoff. We get this, you know, he kind of gets to breathe and we get to see his face and, and empathize with him. He looks, he's tore up. You know, he's he usually has that, you know, very steely, obviously, no pun intended, uh, exterior. I mean, very emotionless. And then here we finally get to see him vulnerable. Did you have any lines that you did like in this film, in, in this in film, in this, in this episode that you, that really stood out to you? Yeah. <laughs> um, the whole 
speeder bike conversation. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, towards the end. Um, so, okay. So IG 11's line about not being like a living being th- that, that too. Um, but uh, Carl Weathers line as they're exiting the, um, the lava tunnel mm-hmm. and they see uh, Moff Gideon in the TIE fighter. And I can't quite remember if it's like right after or right before, um, but he turns to Grogu and he's like, do the magic hand wavy thing. And Grogu <laughs> waves. <laughs> yeah. And then Carl Weather goes, well, I'm all out of ideas. Yeah, that's it. Love that. What did you <laughs> think he was going to do? That's awesome. So good. So that that was that was my line of the episode that that was the best one right there yeah it's it's that's pretty solid that's one i've i've used many times i can't remember where it always comes from or always remember where it came from but but there it is it's in this episode <laughs> uh, i also really like the uh, it's not really quotable but i like the part where we hear that the mandalorian is isn't or being a mandalorian isn't necessarily a race that it's a creed i thought that was was cool that we get a little bit more world building with like, what does it mean to be a Mandalorian? I think that's, you know, one of the themes of this episode. And, and the next one that we're going to do is, you know, what does that actually mean? To say you're a Mandalorian can mean multiple things. And, you know, as it's kind of a meta commentary too, right? That we as Star Wars fans have this view of what is a Mandalorian, what is not. And apparently there's also some confusion in universe as well, right? Grief Karga thinks, well, you had to have been born on Mandalore to be a Mandalorian, but we find that that's not necessarily true. And going off of that, um, just into some of the design and some of the world building, which I think are kind of tied up together. Um, I absolutely love parts of this. Uh, the way that Mando takes down the TIE fighter is fantastic. I, I think that it is one of those unconventional outside the box solutions to a problem that I think are fantastic. And I love seeing you know, it's, it's one thing where it's okay. You know, you shoot a stormtrooper with a blaster. Okay. Whatever, you know? Uh, but the fact that he's facing up against a tie fighter and uses his jetpack and grappling hook and these little explosives, all of that is, is just a tremendous fun. I will say that the Mandalorian, uh, as a whole, like a, a whole series, and you see it in this episode, the, the stormtroopers are just goobers. I mean, like, <laughs> sure. Like they, they're like glorified, uh, battle droids where they're just, they're nothing. They're cannon fodder. Um, you know, they get mowed down like nothing. Their armor does nothing. And, uh, that's always bugged me a little bit. And like, I know the whole, like they're a terrible shot is like, you know, kind of a joke, but it is, it, it's a little, a little jarring to watch like Mando get shot 15 times and it to hit his, uh, his Beskar armor, you know, every time. Okay. And, and then the stormtroopers take one shot and they're just instantly dead. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's um, how much better the Beskar and- is. <laughs> one could Which, argue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it just, it, it, again, it's one of those things that starts to pull me out just a little bit where it seems like Mandalorian is just, he's the main character. So he's just better than it, you know, a little bit sure. of plot armor yeah. along with his best car. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. Stormtroopers have become very much a joke, which is one of the reasons I appreciate that the death troopers show up, which we've mm-hmm. never seen them be cannon fodder or, 
you know, worthless or easily killed. And so when you see that, it's like, oh, okay, this is, this is a legitimate threat. We've seen these guys. These guys are tough. So just having them there kind of ups the ante a little bit, raises the stakes a little bit, I thought. Uh, so that I had that under actually under costumes that we got to see those guys again, which is just kind of a fun nod. And also it's like immediately takes, oh, yeah, Rogue One, that's right. That's a good movie. I should watch that again, uh, which is fun. I had a question though, uh, and I'm hoping that we'll get some point, we'll get some more answers about this. But this time, especially looking at Din Djarin's family and the way that they're dressed, to me, those hooded robes looked almost kind of monk-like, like almost like a religious order. And I'm wondering if we'll ever get backstory. I hope that we do, as I think that there's probably some really interesting uh, stories that could be told about, like, why is why are the separatists attacking this planet? Is there anything, you know, politically that's tied to the, also like the religious uh, beliefs of this of this culture? I don't know. That just something that just kind of jumped out at me this time. Like, wow, that that really is a completely different uh, costume design than we're seeing throughout most of the show. Yeah, I had I had never thought about that. I think that would be a very cool direction to take it. I don't know. I don't know what. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> what direction we're going to take? Asking and, the questions. You know, is always I'm going to save. Part. I'm going to save some of this for our next episode because uh, I've got some some thoughts about uh, some of this stuff. That anyway, I'll save it for next episode. Perfect. But, can't can't wait to hear. Um, <laughs> I did also want to mention, speaking, it's kind of costumes. It's also kind of set decoration, by the way we see it, is just seeing that pile of Mandalorian helmets uh, when they go looking for the covert down in the sewers. Uh, I think is a really nice payoff for what we saw when they're revealing the sin, where it's very, in the third episode of the sin, where we kind of know that they've been hiding out so that this doesn't happen. And then, of course, they show up and, and save Mando and grow. It's kind of chilling. Yeah. There is a consequence and and getting to see that in that way. It's it's almost like bones and you know skip remains. The coolest prop has to be, though, in my opinion, has to be the Darksaber. Just getting to see a live action <laughs> adapted from the Clone Wars. Did not see that coming at all. And then wow, holy smokes. Like we just, and again, kind of going back to world building, like we are fully bringing in things from you know the Clone Wars and uh, the Clone Wars TV show, where again you, it's rewarding you for paying attention, for being invested, and it's it's kind of a weird balance you kind of strike, you know. I suppose with with your audience, where some of them, a good majority of them, probably don't have any idea what that is or what the significance is. I mean, and I guess it kind of works. It's like, wow, that guy has a cool laser sword versus, oh my gosh, he has the dark saber. There's a story there, and I. I... You know, I, I'm a little sour about this stuff because it it, <laughs> it it feels like fan service a little bit. I mean, you know, it, it, it depends on on how they use, you know, and how how it's used uh, in the story. And I <laughs> the other one that that popped out to me was the eWeb blaster mm-hmm. because uh, I I recognized it the first time I watched the episode uh, from the old like. Uh, cross section the old Star Wars books that had like all the list of weapons and all that kind of stuff. It's like, oh, that's an eweb. They make a really big deal about it. <laughs> yeah, they they talk about the eweb for a long time, 
And it's just like, it's, it's just a fancy lady. Like there's, I, I don't know. And, but I think it's kind of like a, a wink and a nod towards those fans who it's like, Oh, look, we're, we're pulling stuff out from, from way back. Um, and it, I kind of get that a little bit with the dark saber too. It's fine. <laughs> there you go. Not everything's going to land for everybody. And yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. It is, it is a very tenuous line to try and, and walk between fan service and, you know, just kind of including things that will connect everything. Right. But not do it in a mm-hmm. heavy handed way. That's a really tough thing to do. And this show, I think and that's, the, it felt a little heavy handed this episode. Yeah. I think for the most part, the show does a good job of, of kind of bringing things back in, but there are, of course, there's going to be moments where you, you slip into that kind of clunky fan service. Mm-hmm. Anything else uh, world building or anything else from any other categories before we get to final thoughts? No, I, I think, you know, you know, it's a little 30 minute episode. So there's, you know, those are, those are the main things that I kind of wanted to talk about. Yeah. I think my, my last thing is I just want to see more of the armorer because she's awesome. And, you know, this is the last time we've seen her. Mm-hmm. In the show and and i think it's just a great character again like you mentioned emily swallow's performance is is really good i really do i think her voice is very commanding it's just again i use the word gravitas probably way too often but like you respect her she's i want to know her backstory how did she get into this role and she clearly knows the lore she talks about mandalore the great and knows about the jedi and and how to it gives she bosses she's the boss too right she gives you know, then his, his quest for season two. Um, and I'd kind of like to know more about her and at least see her more in the show. Yeah, I completely agree. All right. You want to get out it, wrap this thing up? Let's do it. Cool. So as we close, we just want to say thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. Email us at readingbetweenreels at gmail.com or use the SpeakPipe app on our website. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast catcher. We'd love to hear your feedback and it really helps us get the word out about the podcast. And if you haven't yet, please join our Facebook group. It's a safe place to share your thoughts and discuss all things related to movies. One last thing. Our next episode will be a review of uh, season two, chapter 14, the tragedy of the Mandalorian. Send us an email or voicemail about your favorite moments from the Mandalorian and we'll share them on the next episode.